Welcome to Tales of Glory listeners. This is the big episode 51. I'd like to welcome back my two listeners and a dog. And of course, the dog is the producer of the show. So today we've got some exciting stuff today. I'm going to talk about the angel of the Lord in the book of Exodus, who appears quite a bit throughout Genesis, Exodus, and throughout the Bible. Who is the angel of the Lord? Who is the angel of Yahweh? And it's some of you already know the answer, so it's not going to be a spoiler alert. But then again, like I said, the reason I'm doing this right now is because this topic is on spiritual warfare. And many people I work with as Christians didn't realize that Jesus existed before the New Testament. And they have a hard time finding him there or where he's at. And this is twofold. You need to understand the preeminence of Jesus Christ, who he is, the creator of the universe. All things are created for him by him. Um, what happened in Genesis 3, what happened in Genesis 6, and what happened in Genesis 11, all pertinent. I covered those in my book, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. I invite you guys to go get that, and I'll tell you where to get it at the end of the show. But this is um, continue on. On Our eyes have to be wide open when we deal with the occult and how did Jesus handle them. Because many of the deliverance books right out there right now are wrong. They're going to buy in the spirit of water, buy in the spirit of macaroni, buy in the spirit of this, buy in the spirit of that. And a lot of that stuff just isn't in the Bible. Nor is it biblical about how Jesus taught us to deal with the occult. Where did Jesus deal with the occult? In the book of Exodus. That's right. And who were these gods? They were gods. They were actual gods. It's not like in the um, Prince of Egypt movie, the cartoon that came about 10 years ago, where, you know, just like, you know, God was just giving his wrath against the Egyptian people. And what's going on here? And like, what's what's going on with all these plagues? There was never a connection made that these plagues were against Elohims, the um, rebelling spirits of the council against Yahweh. And that's who he was taking on in Exodus. And this is the occult. Remember, the, the Pharaoh had his magicians. They came out and they were able to replicate some stuff using dark magic. They couldn't do it exactly perfect like God could do it, but they were able to use some dark magic and whip some stuff up. Where these powers come from? It just wasn't like, um, you know, I'm going to manifest destiny. I'm going to manifest something from nothing. Like the current, was it the current beliefs in New Age today? Let's manifest something. You know, that's, that's not where it comes from. It comes from darkness. It comes from evil spirits. It comes from, you know, Elohims. And that's what we're talking about today about, you know, furthering and how do we battle the occult? Because Jesus showed us how to do it in the book of Exodus. And there's a safe way to do it. And it's all through listening to him. But there's some foundations here, some framework I want to build up first on who Jesus was in the Old Testament. And we're going to start here in the book of Exodus, um, chapter three, spiritual warfare in the Old Testament. Of course, there's my pedigree up there for those of you who are um, watching through Spotify or YouTube or, or Rumble. Um, I'm your host, Reverend Michael Norton, the missionary at the microphone. Um, I am the CEO and founder of M16 Ministries, a spiritual warfare and a prophetic evangelist ministry. Um, I worked with Night Strike Homeless Ministries in San Francisco through Bob Johnson and um, his team there. And he handed the reins over to me around 2009 to 2016. I took over Night Strike um, Homeless Ministry in the city for him. I'm a spiritual warfare ministry and exorcism um, and worked with ritual abuse from 2006 till present. I still do. I had a miracles and warfare deliverance and healing ministry. Um, I met Sunday nights at our old church between, for three years from 2010 to 2013. And I'm a ritual abuse counseling and spiritual director from 2013 on. I was the co-pastor of a ritual abuse survivor church called Remnant which is no longer after COVID. I think God shut that down. It was time to move on. So, um, But that was a fascinating time working with survivors and um, pastoring them through their, their church. 
I am an author of Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare, a Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, and Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. I've been a missionary in spiritual warfare in Ethiopia, Guyana, Haiti, Vietnam, and Cambodia. And that's my pedigree. Whew, get that out of here, Mike. Let's move on to important stuff. Let's, let's do some business here. So the book of Exodus and battling the occult. Let's do an introduction here. So why are we here? You know, why is Mike talking about the book of Exodus and spiritual warfare? Because the entire book is about taking on the occult and the supernatural beings and spirits that just go beyond deliverance ministry and go beyond other things here that we were we believe we know how to handle. It's important to understand this when engaging the occult on how our protocols are and how to deal with it. And Jesus pretty much laid it out in the book of Exodus, which I find is such a fascinating book. There's so much information to mine out of this that we're going to go through it. A powerful book. It's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Um, there's quite a few of them, different stuff with giants and stuff like that going on, Different, I mean, all over. But when dealing with the occult, this is the go-to book. This is how Christians should handle it. So first of all, we need to understand the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Who is he? He, you know, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He was and always is. He spoke things into existence. It was Jesus. Understand this. Who he was and here he was. I've had Christians that didn't understand this. You know, have Christians who are spiritually attacked or telling me like, yo, well, Jesus only been around for 2,000 years. No, he became incarnate over 2,000 years ago and went to the cross. That was the event that happened. Jesus has always been around. He is the creator. And we'll discuss that, and that's part of his name, the I Am. Where does Jesus appear in the book of Exodus? He is the angel of Yahweh. And we'll take a look at this, and we'll examine this, and look at the evidence for this. It's critical to understand spiritual warfare and the occult, who Jesus was. He is and was and always is. You know, it's the Alpha and the Omega. Get that through your head. Just because he wasn't named Jesus in the Old Testament, that's what holds hangs people up. Like, well, he wasn't there. Oh, he was there. He was. I mean, his fingerprints are all over this. And we're gonna go back and look at the forensic um, evidence here of where he was and what he was doing. When you're dealing with the occult, and um, I deal with stuff like voodoo, and I, I help people, and they go, "Well, you're being intolerant, Mike, because Jesus isn't the only God. No, Jesus is the God. That's right. He's not the only God. Would you say, Mike, is that polytheism?" No, you have to understand what the definition of God is. Jesus is the God, the creator. All things are created for him, by him. He created spiritual beings called Elohims, the sons of God. And these are lowercase gods. Some are good and some are bad. These are divine spiritual beings that were created by him. And not gods in our sense. We ran off as man and did bad things and worshipped them. And that's how they became lowercase gods. That's where some of these voodoo gods come from. That's where these Hindu gods come from. That's where these Egyptian gods come from. They were rebelling spiritual beings that were, you know, I cover this in Cosmology and Demonology, Genesis 1 through 11, how they came into existence, what they're doing. They're regional spirits. They got their territories at the division of the nations when God divorced the nations in Babylon in Genesis 11. That's where these spirits take helm. That's where they, they, they got this. That's where Egyptian spirits came from. These aren't just some, you know, weird religious ideologies in Egypt that God just, you know, beaten up on mankind for, you know, for, for worshiping this, they were worshiping divine spiritual beings that were not supposed to be worshiped. They were creations of God. They were, they were worshiping creation, create creatures and creation, spiritual beings. And that's what's going on here. And these things existed. These things had power and these things provided witchcraft to the people that worshiped them. I.e., this is the occult we're seeing in Exodus. 
and how God's dealing with it and God's being intolerant to these little gods because he just created them and he's bringing judgment to them. Sure, he's intolerant. They're in rebellion to him, the creator. So yeah, that's where intolerance comes from there, right? So just use your word and throw it back at you. So if you guys want to write and go, you're being intolerant, Mike. How can you say Jesus, Jesus is the only God? He is the only God. But these lower creatures that were created by him are the Elohims, right? That's what we're dealing with here. As spiritual warfare ministers, this is the first thing you need to understand. Go pick up the book, and I'll tell you where to get the end I wrote on cosmology and demonology. I can't beat this into you enough. It's important to understand this, what's going on, because the church doesn't understand it. The church has its own version, a mythology, so to speak, of what angels and hierarchies look like. And they did it to try to understand Ephesians 6.12, and they got it wrong. Where did Ephesians 6.12 come from? That's what launched most of my research because I didn't understand it. It didn't align with the Old Testament. Things have to align with the Old Testament. What were we missing? Right? And it's there. All this stuff's there. That's what Paul's quoting. And it's not the same thing that we're quoting in church today and cleansing streams and other stuff. It's it, it's misaligned. It's bad information. It's preaching mythology. So without further ado, let's go. Uh, here we go. Let's dive into Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this, a great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Let's look at some discussion notes here. Let's pause a minute here. The angel Lord, Yahweh. Uh, so I brought up my uh, logo software here for you guys. If you guys are watching on the videos of Spotify or YouTube or Rumble. Um, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. We have here, angel of the Lord, it's actually Malech Yahweh. Malek means angel, and Yahweh is God, right? The, the name of God. So here we have in verse 2, it comes out in Hebrew, Malek Yahweh, angel of God, angel of Yahweh. Whenever we see Lord here in Old Testament, many times it's Yahweh, interject Yahweh. So, of course, um, I'm going to bring in Dr. Michael Heiser here. He has a lot of comments on the angel of Yahweh, the burning bush. So from page 142 to 143 of the Unseen Realm of his book, excellent book, pick it up. It's a hard read, but note, make notations all of his thing because he provides some very good, That's this, this book's the text reference on what's happening with spiritual beings in um, the Old Testament and New Testament. So let's read from page 142 of Dr. Michael Heiser, the Unseen Realm. The text clearly states the angel Yahweh was in the bush in verse 2. But when Moses turns to look at the bush in verse 3, the text has Yahweh observing him and calling to him from inside the bush. Verse 4. Both the angel, the visible Yahweh in the human form, and the invisible Yahweh are characters in the burning bush scene. Did you catch that? The text clearly states the angel Yahweh was in the bush. Okay, that's angel Yahweh. It's in the burning bush. But when Moses turns to look at the bush, the text has Yahweh observing him and calling to him from inside the bush. So we have 
we call a dual nature here of both the um, Yahweh and the angel Yahweh being present in the scene. Very interesting stuff here. Jesus and the Father. Continue on. Interestingly, verse 6 tells us that Moses was afraid to look at God. This suggests that he had discerned something other than fire in the bush, most likely the human form of the angel. The New Testament affirms this description in Acts 7, 30-35. The martyr Stephen twice tells us that there was an angel in the bush, from verse 30 and 35, book of Acts. In the conversation that ensues, Yahweh in verse 7 reveals his covenant name to Moses, I am. From Exodus 3.14, if Yahweh is speaking to Moses, one has to wonder why the angel was needed. If Yahweh is doing the talking, why does he need a messenger? Or perhaps when the writer says Yahweh is speaking, he means the angel. Like the passage in Genesis, we've already seen Exodus 3 includes Yahweh and his angel in the same scene as distinct figures, but then creates ambiguity between them. Are there two or one? Are the two the same but different? The reader is being prepped for something dramatic to come. He won't have long to wait. We know what happens at the burning bush. Yahweh through Moses delivers Israel from Egypt. Moses leads the people to Sinai to meet their God, receive the law, and prepare for the journey to the promised land. There's a short conversation between God and Moses about the task that is habitually overlooked by biblical readers. In Exodus 23, God says, Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. This is from Exodus 23, 20-22. There's something strange about God's description of Moses that tells us that this is no ordinary angel. This angel has the authority to pardon sins or not, a status that belongs to God. More specifically, God tells Moses that the reason the angel has his authority is, My name is in him. Hmm. What does this curious phrase mean? Moses knew instantly. Anyone thinking of the burning bush account does as well. When God told Moses that his name was in the angel, he was saying that he was, in this angel, his presence or essence. The I am of the burning bush would accompany Moses and the Israelites to the promised land and fight for them. Only he could defeat the gods of the nations and the descendants of the Nephilim who Moses and Joshua would find there. Other passages confirm this is correct. The angel is Yahweh. Perhaps the easiest way to confirm this is to compare the Old Testament passages about who it was that brought Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. I am Yahweh who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be for you as God. Leviticus 11.45 So to you it was shown that you might know the Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Out of heaven He let you hear His voice that He might discipline you. And on earth He let you see His great fire. And you heard His words out of the midst of the fire. And then because he loved the father and those who chose offspring there after them and brought you out of Egypt and his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance as it is to this day. That's Deuteronomy 4, 35 through 38. 
Now the angel of the Lord went up from the Gigil to Bokchim, and he said, I brought you out from Egypt and brought you in the land that I swore to give to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's in Judges 2.1. So we have some examples here that we're dealing with something of Yahweh, but there's also his presence of Yahweh. What is this, like this dual nature here being here? So let's continue on because this is kind of fascinating because it's this is Jesus. The angel of Yahweh is Jesus. And we'll make some connections here. So let's jump back into Exodus 3 at verse 5. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Let's recap some notes here from verses 3 through 5. So verse 3, Moses was afraid to look at God. So Moses knew he was in the presence of God. Verse 5, Moses was standing in the presence of God. He felt it. Jump into verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because they are taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a God and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Okay, let's pause here a second and look at what's going on in verse 8. So God coming down from the heavens to take action. We've seen this language before in Genesis 11. Come, let us go down and see what they're doing there, building their bricks, building their towers, right? God's, gonna, God's coming down from the heavens to take action. Same language. The, the God, you know, whoever wrote Exodus wanted the readers to have that same reflection. God's coming back down again to deal with something. What's going on here? So similar language again was from Genesis 11 where God and the council went down to, to Babylon to take action. That's what we need to be reminded here. God, I'm going to come down and take action. See what's going on here. What's, what were these taskmasters doing? Why won't they let my people go? So in verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? In verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Let's break some stuff down here. So looking at verses Exodus 3, 13 through 16, in verse 13, we want to see something 
interesting here. People did say God's name, Yahweh, I am. They did say it. You know, there's been controversial over it. I think a lot of the controversial come, probably comes from the Jehovah Witnesses or something. They didn't say his name. You know, they said Jehovah. You know, it's, that's not true. They did know his name. And I think they knew his name all the way back from when Joseph brought his people into the land that they knew it was Yahweh. I think the Israelites who were the slaves there also knew his name. I am. And if we just want to look back and make connections with this, right, back and forth, back and forth, Revelation to, you know, Exodus. Remember Revelation 1.8? Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And earlier God said, um, I am, you know, I am forever to the generations. And Jesus reiterates this in Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Right? There's that language again. I am. Verse 14. So God is giving revelation of his divine name. I am. I am who I am. God is telling people, this is who I am. This is my name. I am who I am. And this is his connotation to when he says, I am, that I am the creator. I'm above all. I am the creator. Forget these gods down here. I am the creator. I am who I am. Again, verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout generations. Right there, God is making another promise to his people. Right? He's, he's putting it on the line here. I'm, I promise to deliver you guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the God of your generations forever. This is me. We're going to do this now. It starts here in um, you know, getting these people out of, of uh, slavery so they can go worship me. I need my people free. Verse 17, And I promise they will bring you up out of the afflictions of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hevites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord of our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Amazing stuff there. I like that. <laughs> go go plunder the Egyptians on the way out. They have no choice after, you know, God's going to show his signs. We'll talk about this more as we look at um, chapter 4 of Exodus. But, you know, when I dealt with the ritual abuse survivors, they always thought God was being mean to Pharaoh because this, why did he harden his heart? God didn't really harden his heart. Pharaoh thought he was the sun god Ra. He thought he was godlike. Who is this Yahweh guy? He is beneath my feet. And little did uh, Pharaoh know, who was worshiping Ra, who was a, an Elohim, that the Elohims were also below Jesus' feet because he created them. And so when this battle ensues, Pharaoh, thinking he's the sun god Ra, could take on this Yahweh guy. He's nobody. I, you know, Ra thought he was a living god incarnate. And so he didn't. God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart Pharaoh already thought he was creator of the universe and he was about to get a rude awakening. And it took a lot of these things just to wipe out the um, 
bring judgment to the Elohim, so these plagues, each one represented an Elohim and a power to bring down Pharaoh to the point where he would let people go, and he got a lesson of who Yahweh was. Yahweh was the creator and king of kings, not, not, not Pharaoh. And that's when you start hearing harden the heart. It's what it was. Pharaoh thought he was God incarnate. He had no clue of who Yahweh was, and Yahweh demonstrated to him as a warrior, as a warrior God. When he says, I raise my hand against him, that's a sign of battle and warfare. And, and we'll see more and unpack more of this as we go through Exodus 4. But yeah, there's some cool stuff going on here. So little by little, we're showing how God takes on the, the occult. And we're going to get some really cool pictures of this and how we're instructed to do it. But I just want you right now to paint a picture, as we see in the book of Exodus 3, of who the angel of the Lord is. The angel of the Lord is the angel of Yahweh. It is Jesus. Jesus is the angel of Yahweh in the burning bush. He was present there. And look, there was a co-presence. Both Yahweh and the angel of Yahweh were present during the burning bush scene. Fascinating. So let's do a little spiritual exercise here. I just want this light bulb to go on about who Jesus is. And he pre-exists in the Bible before the New Testament. I mean, all the way back to Genesis. He was part of creation. But let's just do some simple scripture contemplation on this just to help us have light bulb going if you're not sure yet or you haven't convinced yourself this is true remember jesus didn't show up just at christmas time right all of a sudden he shows up you know in the virgin birth and boom there's jesus no that's when he became incarnate he was already a spiritual being with no beginning and no ending he is the alpha and the omega so i picked two simple scriptures here jude 5 and exodus 23 20 through 22 to give us an idea of who jesus was in both these settings of the Old Testament and New Testament. Remember, you look in the Old Testament, you find Jesus. He's there. He's it's, it's it's the prelude to the New Testament. So here we go. Just kind of still yourself in your easy chair. Here we go, right? Still yourself in your easy chair. Relax. This is a spiritual exercise. We're going to contemplate and listen to Scripture. What I want you to do is just watch it play out in your mind as I read the Scripture. Just something very simple. Like you're watching a movie. It's a very short scripture, so to still your mind, be still, and know that I'm God. Let's just go and connect with Jesus a second. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for delivering us out of Egypt. Thank you for being the Alpha Omega. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us to the point of going to the cross. Now, Jesus, we want to reflect and show us, Holy Spirit, open our minds and show us how you were present in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. We're reminded in the book of Jude, verse 5. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being in the Old Testament. Thank you for being in the Exodus, going before us. It was you who delivered us. It was you. Just as the author of Jude tells us, Let's go to Exodus 23, 20 through 22. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, and I will be an enemy of your enemies and adversary to your adversaries. 
Let's take a moment there. Let's look at that verse. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Who did God define there? He, who can pardon our transgressions? Who is that? Yahweh identified somebody who the angel of the Lord was, the one who can pardon our transgressions. The same one who went to the cross over 2,000 years ago. Jesus was there. Jesus was there at Exodus. Jesus was the cloud of smoke. Jesus was the column of fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for always being our deliverer. And Jesus, what else do these, these souls need to know about you being present throughout the Bible, being present in Exodus? Help them understand that you also came and battled the occult for the Israelites so they could be released from another person who thought he was a God incarnate and wasn't, but had powerful witchcraft and magic, and you defeated them. You went before him and did supernatural feats. You opened the Sea of Reeds, and it consumed the Egyptian chariots. That was you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bring us peace right now. If you want to just stay here, just kind of just pause this and just stay in your meditation if you want. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in for a landing. Come on in and bring you back in. Thank you, Jesus, for that experience, for revealing to us what you revealed to us in Scripture, that you are the Alpha and Omega. You are the creator of the universe. You were present during Exodus. You were present in the New Testament. We thank you, Jesus. You were present there when Stephen was stoned, and he said he... He said that you, Jesus, were there during Exodus. And as Stephen the martyr gave his testimony, you stood up. Rather than being seated at the right-hand side, you stood in honor as Stephen gave his testimony. He was stoned. And we thank you, Jesus. Okay, that's it for content today. I thank you guys for listening. Hey, if you're on your podcast, hit the like button, love us, so we can build up some algorithms here. Get more people. I don't need a huge audience, but it helps have some audience listening, right? Somebody out there. Well, maybe we'll expand it out to four listeners and a dog before 2023. Maybe a couple other dogs. We'll see. But yeah, like our like our content. Like hit the like buttons. Um, send comments too. I have comments on YouTube. You can send comments on a field guide spiritual warfare.blogspot.com where I host this. Um, comments help. If you have questions, I'll feel free to answer them during shows or even at the comment field. Um, a field guide spiritual warfare Facebook page is where I usually host this also. You can reach me there for questions, comments, or need to reach out to me about something. Um, like I said, our, our, our donations are way down right now. I'm not begging for money, but anything helps. You know, to help keep the lights on and help me produce content. Um, if you feel so, you know, moved to assist us, we would love it. Um, you can send a donation to m16ministries at gmail.com through PayPal. Um, you can help us through books. We don't make a lot of money off books. I just write books just to get information out there and help you guys. But, you know, some money in the, the <laughs> helps fund other research projects and, and stuff too. Some of these, these books cost money to publish. Even though I publish for free on uh, KDP, I got higher editors, you know, than um, other things and stuff to go. Sometimes take software, software upgrades for the, the publishing tools I use. And, you know, it takes money. So I would appreciate it, but, you know, not necessary. I'm just glad you guys are listening. Just come on in and... Or if there's something you want to hear about or some topic, send it to me and I'll, I'll produce something for you guys. Um, it doesn't take a lot. So anyhow, you can find the books on www.afg2sw.com. Um, if you're, you can find that on the fieldguidespiritualwarfare.blogspot.com too. So anyhow, 
Love you guys. You guys are amazing. It was great to hear from you. I'm, I'm recovering from COVID. Um, actually, I got through it really fast. Popped that ivermectin right away and got through the worst of COVID in three days. But I have a lingering cough right now. It's just annoying. So I had to stop and pause for coughs today. Anyhow, um, I tended to do Exodus 3 and 4. But that was a lot of content to go through. So I'll probably do Exodus 4 by itself. And we'll see. We'll see it's next time. Let's keep moving through because that's when Jesus starts telling us how to deal with the occult and battle stuff. But I hope you enjoyed today. I love you guys. You're amazing. God bless. Till next time. Amen.